You're listening to the Don't Suffer Like Us podcast, hosted by Kimberly Fujitaki and Thea Pichel. Hi, I'm Kimberly Fujitaki. And I'm Thea Pichel. And today we're going to talk about not being taken seriously as a professional, being a yoga teacher. I think that a lot of times, especially personally as a children's yoga teacher, it is sometimes looked at as something that's just cute and not necessarily a profession. And so as we navigate becoming a yoga teacher, it's important for us to really feel solid and confident in so many of the different aspects of our business practice and how we present ourselves that we really can become more embodied as we teach and grow. I think that so many people find comfort and respite in yoga that they don't realize that it's a job, which I think is a really interesting concept that when someone is providing a service, whether that's yoga or you're at a restaurant or you're, what else is service-based? You wouldn't think a massage therapist it's just there to hang out, you know? You you appreciate the work, and people appreciate the work that we do, but I think it's because they find something so profound and also releasing that they often think, well, I'm having this experience, you're making those shapes, or you're telling me to make those shapes, you must be having this experience right now too. Yeah, and I think that a lot of times people misunderstand what it means to teach yoga and to create the space and hold the space for their students to have this experience that they don't perceive it as something that is work. And teaching yoga and being a yoga entrepreneur is extremely challenging at times because it's a lot of work and a lot of work that people don't necessarily see when you're at the front of the room teaching class, but all the behind the scenes that mm-hmm. has to go on in order for you to be a successful teacher. So when you have this experience where people are not recognizing that your work is valid or valued, can be really challenging as a new yoga teacher. And I know that for me personally, in the beginning when I was first teaching, having that experience, that conversation, telling people I'm a children's yoga teacher, I'm a yoga teacher, and feeling belittled because that's my profession, was really challenging for me to go through. When we're starting out, there's some things that we can do to help us, you know, get through those times. And Thea has a specific experience that she can share about something that happened to her. A few years ago, I was teaching in a studio and at the end of class, this woman said, oh, you're a great teacher. What do you do for a living? And I said, I do this. And she said, oh, you mean you're retired? And I said, no, this is actually a lot of work. There's, the teaching is, to me, is the easy part. It's all the things that lead up to the teaching that is time consuming. And sometimes, particularly in certain areas that don't like doing, like the business stuff, seemingly a time suck, but necessarily time suck. Definitely. And so that idea of like being a retired person because you're a yoga teacher is not true at all. And I think that as yoga teachers, we have to really be on top of our own practice and of our education and of our business and to build our confidence so that we have these kind of three steps and tools to help us when these things arise to combat that so that we feel more successful in our business and we're capable of moving forward 
when it's a bit challenging or we're having this kind of coming up against this adversity feeling of maybe I'm not enough or that my profession isn't enough as a yoga teacher. I've had conversations with people regarding this because this topic's come up a few times in my life and I'll say to someone, well, do you think the people at Disneyland are doing it just for fun? They might think Disneyland is the most amazing place on earth, but they're doing it because there's an energetic exchange. Having that, being able to be paid as a yoga teacher also I feel like is a challenge for a lot of yoga teachers in the beginning to receive money for teaching yoga for teaching your dharma for teaching a practice that is really important to you and resonates on a way that many people have never felt anything else resonating with them it can be really challenging but as thea said the energy exchange from teaching is really important because if you constantly give 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 and never receive anything can be really difficult for you to continue to teach without being burnt out or you know, not having enough financial means to support yourself. So it's important for us to be confident in what we're doing so that we can create revenue to help us to live the life that we need from our teaching. And I think it's also important to point out that people will say, well, traditionally yogis weren't paid to teach. But you know what? Krishnamacharya was supported by the Maharaja. He was given a place to live. All his needs were taken care of. That's an energetic exchange. The yogis of the forest that people would adventure out to in order to gain wisdom, they would bring gifts. So an energetic exchange has always been part of the teaching process. And the traditions of yoga are still important and they're still valid. And I think that having opportunities where we are using karma yoga where we're giving an exchange for maybe volunteering our yoga teaching or our yoga services for various reasons to certain populations who may not be able to afford yoga is one thing but when we're being asked to give our education our business insight and this level of confidence that we've built without any exchange of energy it is really depleting and so as we grow, we're going to realize that we need to have the space to be able to receive what it is that we need from our yoga teaching. Otherwise, it will not be able to sustain. And I also think that people don't realize the cost associated with this level of education. Yoga teacher training is expensive. Um, continuing to learn in the field of holistic wellness is expensive. And students are coming to class and they're benefiting from all of the education that we've experienced. For me personally, I've spent more on my yoga teaching and my hypnotherapy practice and education and learning more and going deeper than in this aspect than I have in my formal education. And so when we think about how much money we're putting into and how much energy we're putting into taking teacher training, being in our continuing education, reading more books and purchasing, you know, workshops and intensives and retreats. These things all add up and they all make you the teacher that you are. But in the same time, they also create and put a value to your teaching that maybe other people don't have. So that's a skill set that you acquire that helps you to transmit other information, the information that maybe other people don't have. So I think it's really important to continue your education so that you can understand 
these nuanced things about yoga and then those things will help you to create the business that you really want and a lot of times when we are in teacher training yoga teacher training doesn't teach us how to become an entrepreneur a small business owner part of being successful and part of having a business that helps to support you is treating it like a business yeah it is a business i find a lot of times the people who are saying it's not a business are people who are coming from a way of place and a space of benefiting off of it without wanting to participate in helping you in what you're doing. And I find this more often than not in the teacher-student relationship in the aspect of trainee and teacher or mentor and mentee. Um, once money comes up, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, did yeah. I go off topic or no. am I still there? It's definitely part of the education process is, is the exchange of, and as teacher trainers, the NI, we receive money for the education that we have and the education and the experience that we've had over many, many years of time. And so for me, when I go and spend time with my teachers, I don't expect them to teach me for free. If I expect somebody to pay me to learn from me, I expect to teach to pay my teachers so that I can learn from them. And I think that we as yogis, we need to remind ourselves that there's so much value in being able to save for something and to make the effort and to gain you know, the insight and the information by putting this as a priority. So saving money in whatever ways you need to, whether that's cutting back on certain things that you were doing before, there's, there's a sacrifice in the practice of yoga. And so part of that is being able to say, I want to spend this energy or this money on this teaching. And if we are not doing that, we can't expect to be compensated as well. So I don't expect my teachers to teach me for free. And so I would expect my students also to pay me for my teaching as well. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. No, and I think that you do this too. I have scholarships. Mm -hmm. partial scholarships or even a full scholarship based on need or based on the demographics people are working with because if someone's volunteering teaching meditation to at-risk youth then there needs to be some resources there because that that's an energetic exchange in the sense that let's say I give that person a full scholarship they're taking it out to the community that benefits the community a community that's benefiting from mindfulness then comes back to me because it's it's a circle and so having these business practice in place where we understand about our finances about marketing our trainings and our experiences our classes and being able to really work on the scheduling aspects of our business and all these small pieces of how actually functions behind the scenes of just teaching is really important and so when we go to teacher training we're learning about asana pranayama and the eight limbs of yoga and so much information that sometimes we leave aside all these really important aspects of business that need to happen in order for us to create a sustainable way of teaching and living. So if we're not focused on having certain things implemented in a regular basis, the longevity of our practice is going to be very short because 
it cannot survive without this structure, without these boundaries that we need in order to gain the confidence to be really successful yoga professional. And that is the not fun part. The learning part's exciting. The teaching part's exciting. The finances, the marketing, the scheduling, totally not fun, totally not retirement. Exactly, and so that's the piece that's behind the scenes where everyone is like, oh, well, you just teach yoga. You just go to classes and you get to practice and it's so fun. And oh, you teach little kids. Like, how cute is that? And it's like, yes, those things are part of it. But there's so much depth behind being a yoga teacher and being a yoga professional that our industry needs to recognize. And as yoga professionals ourselves, just being able to understand these things and put them into place gives me the confidence to know that my business has increased engagement and that I feel an ease in the effort that I'm doing because I have these things in place. And therefore, my business is more successful. And so when somebody comes to me and is like, oh, kids yoga is just cute, I don't have to take that personally because I know the value of my teaching, my education, and how important it is for me to share these practices with the next generation of yogis. And every once in a while, you'll have someone come across your path and they'll say, this is what you do? Oh my gosh, that must be so much work. It's like, yes, yes it is. It's extremely rewarding, I love it, but it is so much work. And that work is part of the tapas. It's part of the like process of being a yoga professional, yoga entrepreneur, yoga teacher is, is like, how much do you want this? How much do you love this? Is this something you're gonna go through to keep going, even in the ebbs and the flows? So how do we continue on to build and to increase and to stay practicing and teaching is by continuing to fuel ourselves and to fuel our business. And that's what's gonna help us to continue to create this lifestyle and this business that we would really want. And Kimberly and I both have gone through so many different programs. I've had business coaches, you've gone through business coaching things too. And there's a variety of things. And if you're not someone who's naturally inclined towards business, which I am, I personally am not, and I know a lot of people who are in holistic wellness are not. Business is not their forte. And get help. Get help. We talked about it before. Having support is really, really important. And so if there are things that you personally are not savvy, then find resources. Now that there's so much on social media and, you know, Google, you have so many opportunities to get better at things and also not to spend thousands of dollars mm -hmm. on getting better at them. Like resources that can help you to be a better business professional, or to be more confident within yourself, to have a personal practice that's really rooted in things that are important to you. And those are the things that are gonna help you to become a better teacher, a more confident teacher, and to not feel like you're just a retired person side-jobbing being a yoga teacher. Like, it's important for us to be able to have the value and to know the value of our service. And so if you need support, Thea and I are here to support you as well. 
but it's really important for you to understand that it's not just standing in front of the room teaching your students. It's much more than that. Yeah, it's more. So much more. And I just want to add a little PSA. No matter where you are, most countries, and I know specifically we're in California, we're in the United States, there's small business associations. They offer affordable small business classes and courses. If you're not great at business, get yourself to that. So if there's something that you find that you need a little bit more information about, you can always reach us on our social media. And just because others may not see it as a serious profession doesn't mean it's not. And the value that you hold for it can be enough. And as you become more confident and capable in your practice and your presentation, the less this type of stuff comes up. And the less it affects you because you know that the work that you're doing is important and valid. And other people, what they have to say, it's not going to matter. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us. Till next time. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode of Don't Suffer Like Us. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Don't Suffer Like Us to join the conversation. For more information regarding Kimberly Fujitaki's Little Heroes Yoga teacher training, visit www.littleheroesyoga.com. If you are interested in finding out more about Yoga Nidra and guided imagery teacher training with Thea Pichel, visit www.theapichel.com backslash teacher training. Sign up for Module 1 to learn the craft and skill of leading amazing meditation sessions. Or sign up for the entire 85-hour journey beginning February 28th in North Orange County, California. Thank you for listening.